guys, I'm Jaya. I'm here with Jack Thurlow, who's written an incredible piece for us called The Shower in the East. And we're basically going to discuss his article, why he wrote it, why he felt compelled to put something out about it. So Jack, if you could tell us a little bit more about what your article's basically about. Yeah, sure. So my article is about the Holocaust in Eastern Europe and the origins of it. So from about 1941 to 1943, and pretty much an overview of what happened and how it happened. Perfect. And a little bit about what we refer to when we say the Shoah in the East. So for those of you who don't know, the Holocaust is an incredibly complex part of history. And it didn't just cause tragedy in the form of concentration camps or labour camps, but also with shooting squads. Um, so for those people who don't know, could you just tell us a little bit about what the shooting squads were, how they worked, um, to give a bit of context? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll try and get my pronunciation right. But it's hard, don't worry. <laughs> that grouping. Yeah. Um, so these were basically shooting squads who would go around to towns and villages in Eastern Europe and simply... Um, gather up all the Jewish people and then take them to a, a forest or somewhere out of sight and then um, shoot them. It's incredibly sad and sadly it's not something we really have much knowledge about in terms of the mainstream so that's why it's kind of important to me to talk, talk about it. Yeah exactly and I just wanted to kind of ask you what for for you is the most harrowing or upsetting part about the shooting squads because there is something really eerie about it so when i went on a trip last year to a forest where they had actually the shooting squads used to shoot people in those forests there's something really eerie and creepy about it and it's very unique from what you know as awful as the camps are it's a very weird experience because it's a forest it's just trees it's, we go for yeah. walks in the park you know where these yeah. forests are so what for you was the most upsetting thing about these shooting squads and why do you think it's so different from what happened in other parts of the holocaust i think one of the things that makes it stands out is that these these shooting squads were consisted of mostly ordinary people as sort of crystal browning talks about in his book ordinary men these were just simply normal police officers who had who had normal jobs as police officers and then overnight they became murderers yeah which is it's incomprehensible, really. Yeah. And, and also, as you just said then, the, the normal places, normal forests that became sites of mass murder. It's Those are the two things that really stand out with me. Yeah, definitely. And I guess also what I kind of want to ask is, where did you... So I first heard of the word shooting squad when I read Survivor Testimony, probably when I was quite young, and somebody mentioned that their mother and sister had been taken into a forest and been shot. And I was like how did I not know this why do people not speak about this that much when did you first come across the Einsatzgruppen and why do you think that we you know we don't know that much about it why is it not spoken about as much so I first sort of my first sort of idea of the shooting squads was when I watched a film called Defiance and that was like the first scene in it and that sort of like interested me of like hmm, I haven't heard about this bit of the holocaust before so that encouraged me to do some further reading into it and um, and that's when I sort of decided, oh, I need to know more about this because I don't in school. I generally think it's so sad that this isn't a main part of the curriculum when we learn about it because it's such a horrific and horrible part of it. And it's just as bad as what happened in mainland Europe. Yeah. So uh, that's why it's important to me. 
Definitely. And a little bit about your piece. There's one part in your article where you discuss this misconception that a lot of these people didn't know what they what they were getting into. So a lot of these Nazi members or, or, or people that didn't really understand what was happening. But actually, in Ordinary Men, Christopher Browning says, well, they did know what was what was happening. They did know that if they hadn't yeah. gone and shot anybody, they weren't going to be particularly sanctioned, you know. And I yeah, think that's exactly. really important to remember. For you in, in general, what do you think the biggest misconception is? Do you think that's the biggest misconception about these shooting squads, that they actually didn't have a choice? I'd say definitely, yeah. I think it's sort of it's always sort of provided us with a comfort, comfort blanket, if you think about it. That when we think of Holocaust, we think, oh, they had no choice; they had to do it, else they would be killed themselves. And this proving it wrong sort of challenges us to think, oh, that, that wasn't the case then. And that obviously is difficult for us to understand. So I say that's why it's sort of the most important because at the end of the day, these were people who had the option. Okay, they they you know would get a telling off or something, maybe be a bit embarrassed, but there were no sort of serious consequences for them not taking part. Yeah. So that's. I think the biggest misconception for me. Yeah. And just about this topic in general. So the Holocaust is really, like I said, it's a, such a unique part of history. I want to kind of ask you a little bit more about when you first came across the Holocaust. How were you first introduced to it? it I was around 10 or 11. I read Anne Frank's diary mm. when I was in school. And that was sort of my first, as it is for a lot of people, I guess. That was my first sort of view. But I say my understanding was still pretty limited even until sort of year 11, because in school, there's more of an emphasis on studying the Nazis and the rise of Hitler than the Holocaust itself. Yeah. So it wasn't until sort of year 12, where I had the opportunity to do Belfast 75, was when I finally managed to understand it and strengthen my knowledge. Yeah, that was the same for me. The first time I came across it was when I was seven because of Anne Frank. So it was this concept of um, concentration camps and you know, wearing the yellow star and all of this stuff. Do you think the curriculum is very useful in educating people about the Holocaust? Or do you think that we still have work to do in our curriculum? Yeah, I think there's still a lot of work to do. But don't get me wrong, I agree with everything that's being taught. Mm. I think there's so much more to talk about and it's important to talk about, like such as what happened in Eastern Europe and then even what happened after because, you know, it didn't end in 1945. Like, it carried on for years and years and it's important for children to understand that so yeah I think there's a lot still to work on and I think that's one thing that you know when we created yet again one of the reasons we did is because so many modern atrocities aren't spoken about of course it's hard to fit everything into a curriculum but there are some that are particularly you know every everyone should know about these things that have happened and that's why you know Joe and I were both as editors really happy that you decided to write about the shooting squad because it's a really important part of the Holocaust and for those of you who don't know it basically was taking you know death and destruction from isolated areas like camps to you know people's front front yards people's homes and that is what's really harrowing about it it was this was it death by bullets they tend to use that phrase and yeah. a shocking amount of people were murdered as a result of this and it's unbelievable to think that this happened just by guns like that's crazy to think yeah, about it's, it's hard to process in terms of the holocaust as well why do you think it's important that people remember what happened with the holocaust well i think there's so many things you could say but i think it's because it's sort of understanding that these normal people who weren't particularly evil beforehand 
just over a few years just became these people who decided we're going to do all this and they caused so much destruction which even today you still see with families and it's just so incomprehensible what happened and it was the sort of first sort of genocide that you know I, I hate to sort of use the word but like it had like a killing machine sort of like these organised camps and the methods of killing were so organised like like when I went to Auschwitz, one of the things that shocked me was how many documents there were, like how much thought went into this. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it unique. It's the, the sort of first modern sort of genocide that was manufactured as such. Like that's what makes it so unique, I think. I completely agree as well. It's the calculated way that this was carried out is quite, it, again, it's really shocking because you're thinking how people like this are so, you know, they organised how they were going to kill these people and it's it's quite hard to process. And... I guess that comes on again to this topic of the shooting squads. Could you tell us a little bit more about the people that worked with the Nazis? So was it just the Nazis themselves that were in these shooting squads? Were they collaborators? Yeah, so there were a range of sort of people. So there were obviously the Nazis themselves. And then you then had local police officers, even local enthusiasts would be joined up in some cases, which is even more shocking. So it wasn't. It was not at all just the Nazis themselves. Um, they would, you know, use local people to carry out these things when they couldn't do it themselves. Yeah, and that's really that's really harrowing as well, isn't it? Thinking that, you know, it wasn't just the Nazis that were evil. They had people working with them and supporting them in this, and um, particularly in the Eastern European countries. You know, anti-Semitism was rife in places like Lithuania, and if you have the chance ever to visit. The Yad Vashem, which is in Jerusalem, an incredible Holocaust educational centre. They have an exhibition and there's a big part on the death by bullets. And one of those parts is a really awful picture of a lady with her child and she's holding on to a child and uh, she's being shot and she's, you know, presumably going to fall into the ditch. And it's really hard to, to see. That was one thing in the exhibition that I teared up in quite quickly because I was like, this is really awful to, to see that. And... In general, do you think, personally, I feel like there's this big misconception that it was just the Nazis. A lot of people still don't realise that actually, no, the Nazis had collaborators. Do you find that that's the case as well? Have you spoken about this with friends or peers? Yeah, absolutely. And... Um, when we think of Holocaust, we think of the Nazis. We don't think of the people that collaborated them that made it possible for them to commit such atrocities in Eastern Europe and mainland Europe. We don't think of who said, yes, I'll do it, and who said, no, I won't, like... And, you know, I know we have this idea of, oh, they would, they had to do it. Uh, we know this wasn't true in a lot of cases. So I think that's such an important thing to remember, that it wasn't just them solely. It was the people who made it possible for them as well, which I think makes it even more harrowing in a way that so many normal human beings were willing to contribute to this. Have you spoken to, like, your friends at school or your family or people that you know or just friends in general about like this topic and about the shooting squads and if you have what were their reactions what did they say when they found out that this was something that happened yeah they're very shocked because i obviously have like in-depth knowledge because of my research and my experiences but they still see the holocaust as auschwitz and that that's, that's how far their knowledge goes and that's how it is in society you know they're shocked because they didn't realize this was all going on at the same time. They just think of Holocaust as being this Central Europe thing, but but in reality, it was all over Europe. Yeah, and if there are any 
books or documentaries or films that you think people should look into if they want to learn more about the shooting squads what would you recommend so there's a great documentary on netflix called the islands that group in and this just pretty much breaks down what what they're about and it breaks down even to the, the different units and it goes really in depth with that and then the book ordinary men by christopher browning as well and then also another christopher browning book called the origins of the final solution there is a couple i definitely definitely recommend but but even online, there's such great resources available for anyone like at HET or Yadda Shen. Like, there's so many great resources. And the US Holocaust Museum is another great one. But there's plenty of like um, sources you can just find out. At. So those are some I definitely recommend using. Yeah. Thank you. And yeah, so like Jack said, for those of you who don't know, loads of charities that work in the sector, Holocaust Educational Trust, the Rena Library, Yad Vashem, all of these people that have amazing websites and organisations that have amazing websites and Holocaust Memorial Day Trust have lots of testimony from survivors who knew people that were affected by this or were affected by it directly. I also kind of want to ask just in general, when you look at the Holocaust and trying to educate about it, I think we all feel compelled more to certain parts than others because it's so complex so there's certain areas that we feel really like you know we really want to research into we really want to talk about is this concept of like the shooting squads one of those for you do you think it's something that you feel compelled to teach more people about because not that many people know about this particular thing in the holocaust yeah absolutely i think since i've learned about this for some life tried to dedicate as much time as i can to through reading and that and it's something i hope to in my studies to be able to sort of look out in the future and then research and do as much as I can really to help sort of t- tell people about it and the people's stories because you know for each for each number there was there was a person behind that with a story to tell that's what that's so important to remember so I feel like it's my duty to tell their stories yeah and I think that's such a great point to make thank you for making it behind all these numbers and statistics you know behind those six million it's people and it's real you know names of of people who were real lives and who were living and you know had fat brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and partners and friends and everything and I think that's what we hope talking about these things raises awareness of we remember the victims and we honor the victims as well and kind of just you know Jack's article is brilliant it's on our website you can access it again it's called the show it in the east it's fantastic and I really recommend it if you want to get an understanding as to this part of the holocaust which was such an integral part of the the whole process and a really shocking part to learn about in terms of generally yet again work we obviously want to raise awareness about modern atrocity and one thing that I always ask people is the reason we're kind of called yet again primarily is because we always say never again but actually it's again and again and it's, it's happening yeah. yet again what do you think we need to do as individuals as society whatever to be able to guarantee that when we say never again we mean it i think education educating the younger people in society even the older people just education is so vital and it can help us to understand why these things happen how they happen how they develop and what their end results are, as we can see through the past. But I just think the more people that have a sort of sufficient knowledge of this will be aware of it happening and then be able to do their own little part in making sure it doesn't happen again. Thank you for sharing that as well. And in terms of, yet again, we are obviously, we've said this so many times before, we are a youth-led initiative. We do work with people from a range of ages, which is incredible. Why do you think 
writing and participating in the work of an organisation like Yet Again is so important as a young person. What do you think that we can do better and what do you think that we can encourage our readers to learn from and to take away? What do you think the importance of organisations like Yet Again is? I think that's so important because we learn from these organisations like how the event, how these events happened and why they happened and how we can most importantly prevent them and just spotting the signs. And the more people that are aware of these things, I'd hope the more they are preventable. I think for every person who learns about it, that's one more person that can prevent it. So that's why I think these organisations are great because we can spread awareness and education of these things and that's all we can really do. We can spread awareness and educate people and hopefully that will help us in a, to a better future. Yeah, thank you so much. And I completely agree. You know, as a generation, young people, we are going to be the future of our world. And so we need to take it upon us. And we are a generation of doers and we need to do, do, do and basically keep taking action. I think that's the best way to put it. And one of the last questions I want to ask you, if there's one thing that you could have someone take away from your article, one really important thing, what is that message that you want them to have by the time they finish your reading your article i think if i had to pick one thing it would be understanding how complex a genocide is and there is no sort of simple way to understand it and it's it's so complex but this is how it originates it originates from these things and then leads on to all of this later on yeah just for people to understand how these things can escalate so quickly that would be the thing i'd hope for people to take away Definitely. And I completely agree. I think understanding genocide, understanding modern atrocity is so complex that we have to do our best to provide people with places that they can go and read this stuff, but also understanding why we need to read it. Because it's so complex, it's hard to spot the signs. It's very difficult to look at a country and say, is this government committing genocide or whatever? But actually, there are signs that we can learn about. And I think that's one of the reasons that we're so happy that you wrote about this topic, because it's a very unique feature of the holocaust as a genocide if we can use the word feature and again just like my last question for you you've been brilliant thank you so much is if you were to tell somebody to go away and read one book about the holocaust to give them an understanding as to what the genocide was and what was going on is there one book that you've read that particularly stands out to you or that you thought actually was so important and helped you understand so much about what this genocide was about difficult question because there are so many yeah there's a lot what's your recommendation what do you think what like what was one book that you felt resonated with Um, you i'll say one of the first i i read was a book called the choice and it's a survivor story and it's it goes from how it began for them and how it ended for them their whole lot of life story and it talks about the effects it had on their later life even right up to their old age but just any sort of survivor sort of testimony or books because these are the people who experienced it firsthand and I don't think there's anything more valuable than that. 100% and I completely agree. I think that while we have survivors who are still around to share the testimony, take the opportunity if you can hear them. We have so many survivors who have passed away who also have their testimony and also victims that didn't survive the Holocaust but were so brave and documented their whole experience, which is incredible as well. So that's great. Thank you so much, Jack. And like I said, this is available on our website to read. It's called The Show It in the East. And 
yeah thank you jack so much for for talking to thank us you. about it